Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we will focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Ampalo and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This is episode 15. Before we start, we'd like to share some kind words from our listener, Nicole Fenwick, also known on social media with her handle, Coley Translates. Nicole recently shared, Today I listened to the latest episode of Smart Habits for Translators, and I was not disappointed. It's a podcast that's going to keep me company in the weeks to come. Their guest, the organized freelancer, provided wonderful insights into how she runs her business. And thanks to you, ladies, I now have lots more tasks, reading, and inspiration to start the first working week in quarantine, whatever that may bring. Just one podcast has given me so many ideas and tasks to do during the quarantine. So fear not, because with productivity, we're going to get through this. I'm already over the Netflix method of coping on lockdown, and it's still early days. Thank you so much for listening, Nicole. We're glad we could keep you company in the crazy days of social distancing during the peak of the coronavirus pandemic. And we're so glad that you found the episode on financial habits with Susie Jackson useful. We'll be sure to link that episode in our show notes. Uh, In case you missed that one, you can still go back and listen to it. Just look for episode 12. Yes, thanks for sharing, Nicole. We're always happy to know when a particular episode is helpful. So now let's get to the topic of today's episode. This topic may be one that hits particularly close to home for a lot of us. Today, we're talking about smart sleep habits. I think we could all use this kind of information at some point, and maybe especially right now, right, Veronica? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, everyone knows sleep is crucial for all of us um, on so many levels. Um, It is truly incredible how many aspects of our health are affected by how good or bad our sleep habits are. And I think you and me and all other parents out there have experienced it firsthand when our kids were little, right? I mean, when kids keep you awake at night, you can barely function the next day. And if you have to work on top of taking care of the kids, that can be a real struggle. Before kids, I really didn't prioritize sleep myself, and I really value it now. Um, And I recognize that I am just not myself, or at least not the best version of myself when I function on little sleep. And since with kids, you never know when you'll have to be up all night, I try and make an effort to not stay up too late. Of course, there are times when I make um, exceptions to that rule, but there has to be a very good reason or something you know, special has to be happening like it does right now. Um, and for me, lack of sleep leads obviously to lack of focus and lack of energy. I am less motivated to exercise on those days and I'm more likely to break my healthy eating habits too. So I also know firsthand that bad sleep habits can be terrible for our hormones. And of course, 
I just can't be productive or creative when I'm sleep deprived. I really feel like I'm in survival mode, so to say. What about you, Madalena? Do you have any personal experience with lack of sleep and how it affects you? <laughs> yes, definitely. It's funny because at different times in our lives, I feel like we can function on different, you mm -hmm. know, amounts of sleep. I remember when I was in my 20s, I never thought about it, right? I mean, right. it was like, oh, I could function on three, four hours of sleep, right. no problem. It was like fun. And yeah, and even into my early 30s, I thought, okay, I have four, five, six hours of sleep, no problem. And then later, as I get older and older, I'm like, okay, no, I, yeah, this is not going to work anymore. For me, it's more, um, I don't know that lack of sleep causes me stress. I suppose that it probably doesn't help stress levels at all. Um, in fact, studies do show that better sleep means lower stress levels. But for me, it's actually, like you said, a lack of focus. Uh, and I feel like with all the different you know, uh, tasks and roles that I, I have that I play, I need to have a lot of focus um, because there are a lot of things to do every day, a lot of decisions to make. And when you don't get enough sleep, I feel like it's harder to make those decisions clearly. Uh, in fact, we make poor decisions many times, like you said, you know, it can affect things as simple as, you know, just not exercising regularly because you're not getting enough sleep, you don't have the energy, or making poor food choices or something like that. But I'm finding especially right now, I mean, at the time we're recording this, it is, uh, you know, the middle of the coronavirus outbreak and many countries are locked down in different ways. And I'm finding actually I'm not sleeping very well right now. Um, and it has nothing to do with my child, <laughs> you know? So, um, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that we all need to work on better sleep habits and I'm definitely including myself in that because, um, you know, getting to bed at a certain time sounds like, Oh, that should be easy. But you know, it's really not. If you're, if you're staying up late to finish some work because you have now your kids at home or because your routine has been, you know, completely um, changed from this. It is hard to prioritize sleep, but it is something that is really important, especially for long-term health. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so let's break down some sleep habits because it's not enough to say, I want to get more sleep or I need this many hours of sleep to be able to function well. This is different for everybody. Some people will do well on fewer hours of sleep than others, um, but I think that people really need about eight hours consistently. I've heard even like seven to nine. Mm. Um, if I'm being honest, probably for me, uh, around seven hours is probably what I typically get, but I, I would be certainly happy with more. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, of course, if you sleep too long, you can you know, also have issues, you know, anything longer than nine hours or so. I feel like people have other effects from having nice. slept too much, right? Yeah. So, but for me, um, I could get away with five or six for a little while. Uh, probably, um, like I said, several years ago, I could do that, but not anymore. I mean, now I could if I had to, of course. But when I hit about, I would say at least 35, I was not able to do this consistently anymore um, with good results, let's mm -hmm. say. And since my wake-up time is more or less the same every day, the hard thing seems to be going to bed by a certain time to make sure I get enough hours of sleep. Um, because, you know, just because you go to bed doesn't mean you fall asleep right away, mm -hmm, right? right? So do you find like this is tough too? Yes, it is a struggle. And I go through phases where I'm, when I'm really good about this and then something happens, some, some disruption in, in my day-to-day -day life, whether it's kids or something else. Um, and then I, it's a struggle again. And obviously right now it is a struggle for me too. 
you know, both of my kids are at home. My husband is sharing the office with me. There's so many heavy news we are surrounded with every day. And um, it's, it's rough. Um, part of the problem for me is that when my kids are in bed, I often feel that I finally have time for myself. And yes. I can write them. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's this, you know, it's almost like I rush them to go to bed so that I can, you know, come on, this is my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I want to catch up on news or watch a show, which is often a terrible idea right before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that can happen, and it does happen a lot right now, is that I need to catch up on work when my kids are in bed. So I right. sit up late in front of my computer. Again, mm-hmm. not a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done it enough times to know that it's a terrible idea because then I struggle to fall asleep um, and I wake up super tired just because I didn't yeah. enough enough good or yeah. stressed yes, or stressed because you went to bed thinking about your work right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I try my best not to do that but it, I just take it you know a day at a time and and really make an effort to make you know every day a little better than the day before um so this leads us to the first step in establishing good sleep habits um and it's really a question of how to plan to get enough sleep or what do you need to have in place to be successful in in changing your sleep habits for the better. And I feel that the first thing to do is really to assess um, your current situation and and be very honest um, with yourself. Is sleep a problem for you right now? Um, How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel rested and full of energy or do you feel tired and groggy and exhausted? And then how does your morning and evening routine look like? And what can you change? And if you see that there is room for improvement, the next step is deciding to make a change and really to make it a priority because so much depends on our sleep habits. And especially right now when many of us are concerned with our health and the health of our loved ones, um, it's important to remember that sleep is part of um, the recipe for having a strong immune system. So it's really important to prioritize it right now. What are your thoughts on how to plan to get enough sleep? Yeah, you know, it's tough because I I think, (laughs) at least for me, I feel like I know what I need to put in place to be successful, but it's a matter Mm -hmm. of actually doing it. Yeah. You know, because it's like you said, a lot of us are staying up late getting work done because our schedules are completely rearranged right now. You know, this is not, these are really special circumstances and unusual right now. And so we have to be a little bit lenient with ourselves, but it's, it's sort of like we've said before, at what point is enough enough? You know, Mm. at what point do we have to say, okay, uh, yes, things are different right now, but I really need to prioritize my sleep. And it's like you said, um, putting something in place to be successful is important, but you need to kind of figure out what that is for you. For me, it's probably setting a time where I I say, okay, I am not working past this time. Mm. And it is tough, like you said, especially for people with small children or who are taking care of someone else, because you're right. When, when they go to bed, if it's before you, right, you, you, you want that time to yourself, but you also know, okay, but I need to finish up this task. So I think for me, at least one of the things to put in place to be successful would be like a cutoff time mm. so that I have that amount of time afterwards that I know is just for like relaxing, winding down, reading a book, doing something, you know, and that kind of brings me to our next point about a solid bedtime routine. Do you have a solid bedtime routine? Um, yes, I do. I, I have, I have my sort of preferred 
sequence of steps, you know, a bedtime routine that I know works good for me. Now, do I do this every night? Uh, no, I don't. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I just had this conversation with my husband a few days ago because, you know, mm -hmm. obviously we, we, we're all going through this difficult transition time where, um, yeah. you know, we have to change our, our daily routine and, and he's, he was affected by it as well. And mm -hmm. we just told each other, you know, we, we just should accept the fact that this may last for a while, you know, probably longer than right. we'd like it to. So right. let's just, you know, say this is our new normal and we're just going to find a way to function in this situation. So yeah, um, he's, he's been helping me a lot with, with both my morning and bedtime routine because he, for the last eight years since we live in Houston, um, he's been waking up at five every morning um, to go to work and exercise mm -hmm. and yeah. be at his desk on time. And then he really had to get into the habit of going to bed at 9.30 so that at 10 he's asleep. He has been helping me a lot to do the same because we found that, you know, we can exercise together in the morning before the kids are even awake. And, um, but that means that we have to go to bed, both of us, you know, pretty early for me and kind of normal time for him. So um, it's, it's been working well, and that's something I'm still working on right now. But I found that, um, again, I didn't prioritize um, sort of the aspect of bedtime routine until I had kids myself. But I quickly noticed that that advice people give you about establishing a bedtime routine for the kids worked really well for my kids. Um, and bedtime became way less stressful after we found good bedtime routines for them. And I found that it, it is, as, you know, it's as important for adults too. So when I um, experience sleep problems myself, I find that good bedtime routine is half the success for me. Um, and uh, just kind of helps me wind down and give my brain a signal that it's time to get ready for sleep. So I really, I really think it's helpful. Yeah. What do you do for your bedtime routine if you don't mind sharing? No, absolutely not. So yeah, so my goal is same, like cut off any sort of activities or anything screen related at 930. Um, and then just go to my bedroom and sort of do my skincare ritual in a bathroom and just get ready, you know, change into PJs and sit and read a book or talk to my husband. And the goal is to be asleep at 10, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe we watched a show until 10. And so I, right. plan, yeah. so I kind of, I always plan that I need at least 30 to 30 minutes to an hour to, you know, really wind down. So yeah. um, if I don't have to wake up early, say at five, then the next day, then I, maybe we can stay up till 10 and then plan to be in bed, you know, and asleep at 1030. Mm -hmm. But it's really, it really depends on the day of the week and what's going on. Yeah. And you know, it sounds funny sometimes when you think about it, because you're like, well, 30 minutes to an hour, that seems like a long time, right? But mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's actually really important. Yeah. And we don't usually prioritize that time. We just think, what can I do up until the time I have to go to bed? You know, like that's how I am, at you least like for most things. Be, yeah, you feel like you have yeah. to be productive. <laughs> or, or, or at least, you know, in, you know, enjoying your time up until that time. And, and I think for me, it's that, that mindset shift of, of saying, okay, this is 
important to be able to go to sleep by the time that I want to or need to. Mm -hmm. But it's that time before bed that is really vital. And I think probably for a lot of people, and and I'm not just talking about right now with the circumstances as Mm -hmm. they are, I'm talking about all the time. For me, it's I have, I have not prioritized that time as much as I should on a regular basis. And so while I know that a solid bedtime routine is good. And, and we all have bedtime routines, whether or not, you know, they could be improved. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a different story. Of course, mine could be too. Um, but I, I think a solid bedtime routine is really important. And I have heard from a few people, and I've also caught myself very quickly early on during this whole, um, you know, health crisis and having to stay home more and everybody's at home now. Uh, it's very easy to fall into waking up later in the morning than you usually do since yeah. you're not actually having to, to send kids out the door or mm-hmm. go to work, you know, somewhere else. And um, I realized very quickly that that could happen and it, it just throws off the entire day. So it's not just, you know, for the evening, but really for the morning, it's really important, the bedtime routine to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success for the next day. Right. I think yeah. that's, maybe the way that I'll have to think about it too going forward because I, I really need that cutoff time, like I said, to stop doing anything like, like you said, watching a show or working or doing something around the house that needs to be done that didn't get done during the day and really saying, okay, I need this much time to wind down. And I do like to read before bed too, so I have to factor that in there as well. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important to try to figure out what works well for you and try to implement it as regularly as possible. Because especially right now, we need some routine, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's so important. And another struggle that I often have, you know, whether I stop working or any sort of screen time before, mm-hmm. before bed, is that I, okay, I'm in bed, and then my brain just can't stop working, and I have this stream of yeah. thoughts in my head and to-do yeah. lists and just thoughts and, you know, frustrations or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so something that I... I found really helpful and I'm so grateful that I started working on this habit a long time ago is um, just writing things down before I go mm-hmm. to bed. And it's really, a, it's a part of my bedtime routine is I shared before that I have uh, two little journals for each of my uh, kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, before I go to bed, I write, a, you know, a little line f- uh, for this particular day for each child, what we did together, maybe something funny they said, or just my thoughts mm-hmm. about Uh, them that day and I also uh, fill out half a page in my five-minute journal and that's just my own sort of gratitude or how I felt my day went and it's been really helpful at this time too because I feel like Mm. you know it it puts my mind at ease and puts me in a good place to have a more restful night and maybe not have so many thoughts going through my head so yeah and that's something too about the screens I know that you know there are there are the people who say oh I don't like to have paper around I only go digital but there is something to be said Mm -hmm. for certain things like this at certain times of day especially in the evening to really turn the screens off and I think that's hard for a lot of us yeah you know it's so easy to get on Instagram and just scroll it's so easy to just keep your laptop open working up until the last minute when you're literally falling asleep at the computer (laughs) you know it's so easy to sit there and read the news or to go and see what you missed on social media from the day. And it's tempting because it's sort of an escape, right? From all that's going on. But, you know, it's that, that screen time too, that can really keep you awake longer. Mm. Um, You know, 
And, and there's something to be said for that too. So I like the idea of having stuff on paper. I do that, you know, um, during the day as well myself. Like if I have an idea, I've, I try to write it down um, before I put it in something electronic because just the way that I work and my, the way my brain remembers things, I will remember where I put it like that thought and wrote it mm, yeah. rather than where I might've just like put it in a note on my phone or, you know, somewhere on my computer in a file. I don't know what, you know? And so I think that there is a lot to be said for, you know, after a certain time of day or even during the day to avoid the screen and mm. use something analog for lack of a better word, yeah. um, you know, paper, but yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really a part of establishing better sleep habits, you know. Mm -hmm. I think our relationship with digital devices and screens is is really strange right now these days. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, and now it's like how we keep in touch with each other yeah. now because we can't go out and see people. And I think you know, there's a lot of good coming from all this, but there's mm -hmm. also. Um, we, we have to figure out a way to consciously say, okay, that's enough, mm, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's I, a tough thing to, to figure out. Right. And I know some people, um, and I did it myself for a short while now that I say it, I think when my first child was, was born, I uh, know some people who put a piece of paper next to their bed and just a pen or a pencil and just mm -hmm. whenever they have a thought, um, you know, in their head and, prevents them from falling asleep or uh, first thing in the morning, they just do this brain dump. Um, and I, oh. I did it myself for a little while and I found it helpful because I didn't want to grab, grab a phone and start typing things and then maybe mm -hmm. waking, waking up my husband or, or my baby. And, you know, just then suddenly that screen is the thing that keeps you awake too. Yeah. Because if you're anything like me, you go in for one app and you end up in another one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that can take a long time, you know, by the time you realize how long, how long you've spent on it. But. Yeah. There's a book that um, I've read a couple of times now about uh, building better sleep habits. And from this book, I learned that, you know, as we um, use digital devices, especially our phones and tablets, um, that fact of having instant access to everything and just being able to click on something and learn or... Um, learn like read an article or learn the news yeah. or connect with someone it yeah. triggers the release of dopamine the pleasure hormone uh -huh. yeah. which is why we keep doing it over and over and we just can't help ourselves we go down this rabbit hole and like an hour later you realize you've been you know holding your phone all this time it's true and you know they're designed that way i mean yes. there's that book that i've mentioned before in another episode Digital Minimalism by mm -hmm. Cal Newport. Yeah. And he talks about the science of this and why certain apps are created the way they are and why, for example, Instagram um, has, you know, when there's something new, like in the stories at the top, mm -hmm. the circle around them is red, yeah. right? Because red, yeah. And, and why the notifications on your phone have a little red symbol with a number. Mm -hmm. there's, there's science behind this. I mean, that's, that's the point, right? It's to get you to, to stay on the device. It's, it's fascinating and also scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you, as a result of that, you know, your, your dopamine is so high. You, you, you stay awake late into the night, like you're all hyper. And yeah. I notice it myself. If I had too much screen time before bed, I just toss and turn and I'm just not able to, to fall asleep. And it's really frustrating. 
Yeah. And that, yeah, exactly. And that kind of brings us to our next point about quality sleep over quantity, right? I mean, so like you could sleep for 10 hours, but if it's not quality sleep, it's not really going to do your body and mind as much good as as fewer Mm. hours of really great quality sleep. And I think that's part of it too. It's not just the screens, but the screens do make a big difference on the quality of sleep we get. I mean, I think it was, oh, I want to say, I mean, here in Southern California, we've been, you know, told to stay home for, gosh, at this point, at least a week to 10 days. It's hard to remember, honestly. Yes, yeah. Right? But I remember after the first two or three days, back when literally things were changing from one day to the next, every day you would wake up going, what is about to happen today? You know, it was kind of that feeling of it's this anxiety, which we still have, but it's kind of lessened a little bit because now it's sort of becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was back when everything was changing one day at a time or even by the hour, And my husband and I woke up, we were so tired and we just said to each other, I did not sleep well. And I do think a lot of that is just related to everything going on right now, but it's a lot of that, you know, input also that we're getting from the news, from screens, from people's fear and anxiety that's affecting our own, you know? And so um, to try to get quality sleep is easier said than done, I think. But it is important to try to do whatever you can to get that quality sleep versus, you know, maybe you can't get as many hours because you do have to work later in the evenings now. But how can you get quality sleep when the quantity maybe isn't there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I can just share that through trial and error, I found that if I go to bed past 11, I have a terrible night, no matter how late I wake up, you know, the next day. It's just really that time, like past 11, I have trouble falling asleep after that. So I try um, to be in bed and asleep if I can at 10, you know, 1030 at the latest. Um, And that means that I fall asleep faster, I sleep deeper, and I can even wake up earlier than usual and maybe have a better morning routine and some time to myself, um, which, you know, really makes me feel that I've had some me time, I've had a workout, I've had time to read a book, or maybe I had to go and do some work in the morning before the kids were awake. Mm -hmm. And that helps me not crave that me time so much in the evening. So I am able to go to bed on time you know, as planned. Yeah. I think for me, the, the part about the, the me time or the time in the morning is a really good motivator. Mm -hmm. But if I'm tired, I won't get that time. You know what I mean? I'll just say, you know what, I'm going to have to prioritize getting an extra half hour to hour of sleep right now. And I'm Mm -hmm. skipping that. And that's not a good thing to do over and over again, but Mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. It's like, okay, if I give up quality sleep, or if I want more quality sleep, what am I giving up? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it is some give and take, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So um, shall we talk about another aspect of quality sleep, um, our sleep environment? <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's another thing that is easy to um, sort of take for granted. But mm-hmm. I found, uh, especially living in another country, which I'll mention in a minute, that there are really a lot of important details here, like temperature, light, noise, um, whether, you know, what kind of alarm you have in the morning that wakes you up. And I think, again, I didn't really notice, you know, much of a difference before, but I lived in Norway for many years and I realized that in summer there, it's very light <laughs> at night. Uh, there's the, this 
period in the summer where they have like the the white nights i think they call them or at least we yes right and i it. think that's what it's called yeah right. mm-hmm. and um it it was impossible to have a good night's sleep no matter when you went to bed or when you woke up it's just that light outside that really didn't let you have that deep state of sleep so we had blackout curtains and, and blinds and everything that really helped and i Ever since, it's been my personal preference to, you know, have uh, not like pitch black, but really try and, and, and have my bedroom uh, pretty dark for bedtime. But I also know people who like to have a little bit of light in their room when they sleep or maybe even yeah. nightlight on. So it's really one of the things you may have to experiment with. And the same goes with temperature, whether you prefer, I know I prefer to sleep in cooler uh, temperatures or people who maybe like it warmer. And the same goes with the noise. You know, someone likes sleeping in a quiet room, but others may prefer to have some white noise going or even uh, like the opposite, sleep with earplugs and eye masks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really all about personal preference and, um, you know, maybe trying different things. And um, an alarm clock is another interesting subject. I am personally not a fan of using an alarm clock on my phone. Um, as I try to keep my phone away from my bed at night. So I bought a digital alarm clock with a sunrise option and it starts to light up gradually. So it wakes you up in a more sort of slow, natural way and not with a sudden jolt. And I've, I've been really enjoying that uh, instead of the phone alarm. What are your preferences on your sleep environment? It's a very interesting topic. For me, I prefer to sleep in when it's like much cooler, but my husband doesn't. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's something to think about if you have somebody else who's like got a say in the temperature. So yeah, I think temperature is really important. I think it is, it is proven that people do sleep better at certain cooler mm-hmm. temperatures. Um, I'm not really bothered by a lot of light. Of course, I don't want a light on when I'm asleep, but I, I'm not, I don't need like blackout curtains. And I think it's important to determine that for yourself, right? Because, yeah. and even for children, um, one thing that we made sure, you know, with our daughter is that we wanted to make sure she could sleep wherever we were and not have to change the environment completely for her. Like if we travel, cause we travel a lot mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we know people who make their children's rooms like completely black and dark because yeah. that's just how they sleep better. And some people really do. But we, we thought it was important to kind of prepare her for the road and not the road for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to just, you know, make the room dark, but not blacked out. And we just sleep the same way. So we're kind of all the same like that in our house. Noise can be bothersome. Um, I'm not somebody who needs like earplugs or anything, but I do find that I don't sleep as well. Like if I'm in a hotel specifically Mm -hmm. like hotels that have like the very thin walls where you can hear people walking up and down the hall, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think also we get used to the noises of our own homes. Everybody's homes have their own particular peculiarities and noises. So I think that's something that if it is a bothersome thing to you, you know, do something to help yourself rather than just continue to make, let these things keep you up or awake, you know, the alarm is something interesting. Um, I would like one of those alarms that kind of gets brighter, you know, Mm -hmm. the one that the light, right. I don't have one, but I mean, maybe we could find one and share one in the show notes. So people know what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but the alarm, um, that kind of, that beeps really loudly and that really annoying sound actually makes me very upset in the morning if I hear something like that. So I don't use that type of alarm. And uh, I would like to get to the point where I'm getting enough sleep where I just happen to wake up at the right time, but I'm not there yet. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like an internal alarm. Yes. Um, but I think the type of alarm you use, whatever it is, however you prefer to wake up is important. And it sounds like a small thing, but truly if I have like a blaring alarm, Oh, I was in a hotel recently. Oh my gosh. And I didn't know the alarm was set in oh. the room. Oh, <laughs> I didn't set it. Right. It was already done. And it, it went off at like three or 4 AM. And it was that one of those blaring sounds and it was shocking. And of course, then I was really annoyed. <laughs> so um, I think finding what works for you as far as waking up, if it's something you feel you want to do like more naturally, maybe you do invest in one of those alarms that has like the bright light that sort of mimics the sun coming up. Um, as far as the phone in or outside the room, we keep ours in our room, but we don't use our phones in bed. I think there's a difference there. Okay. So I don't use mine for the alarm, but my husband uses his for his alarm and he gets up a little bit earlier than I do. Even though we both get up really early, he gets up a little before me. And so usually I'll hear like the shower or something. So that would wake me up, which is fine. Um, but we don't stay in bed using the phone. I think that's something that we've both decided that that's not a good idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, sleep environment's really important, um, but we don't do anything kind of, I don't think that's too special or different, but I do, I, I am interested in figuring out some other options with like the alarm and stuff like that. So let's talk about why healthy sleep habits are so important for translators and interpreters in the work that we do. So something that I was thinking about um, as we were getting ready for this episode was that if we don't get consistent sleep or consistently good quality sleep, it's something that, you know, not even for just translators and interpreters, but anybody, it's very easy to have a hard time focusing, mm -hmm. to be missing deadlines, to have sort of what they call brain fog or a foggy memory, to be irritable. And it just doesn't bode well for anybody's work. But, you know, especially for work when the words that we use are really important to um, the outcome of something. Yeah. So if you think about an interpreter, you know, somebody who goes to court every day or somebody who's like interpreting for, for surgeries, like I used to do when I was interpreting, those are not instances where your mind should not be sharp. I mean, you really do need to be quite sharp. And for translation too, I mean, I feel like, yes, of course, our, our minds need to be very sharp. But for me, I think the lack of sleep affects me as a translator more in that I can't work as, mm -hmm. as efficiently as I would like to. Yeah. Like, um, I become slower. I, um, I've, I try to remember a certain term and I just can't think of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we're, we're just not best versions of ourselves when, when we function on little sleep and, um, the way translators and interpreters use their brains on a daily basis. I mean, our brains just need to rest and recharge during the night. And if we don't give ourselves that opportunity, that's not going to, uh, work well long term, and I can definitely relate. You know, there were times where I was really tired, and I still had to work, and I did notice I had trouble focusing and trouble just coming up with good translations that I was happy with. And then often I would wake up the next morning and suddenly come up with a better translation. You know, and it, it would work well if. I still had the chance to revise it and edit it, mm. which I often do. But sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I wish I changed it to something better that I just, you know, uh, came up with in my sleep. Huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. 
But, um, you know, one, one other thing um, that we need to mention is how nutrition affects um, our sleep habits. And there are certainly foods and drinks that help or don't help when it comes to quality sleep. Um, you know, obviously coffee and caffeinated beverages aren't great later throughout the day, at least for me. I know some people who swear that doesn't affect them at all. And in fact, my mom can can drink a black tea, you know, late into the night and sleep just, just fine. And doesn't, yeah, those lucky people. Right? I know, my husband could do that. Yeah, I really have to limit myself to like a cup of coffee in the morning and sometimes a small espresso or like a latte co- coffee um, right after lunch, but not, th- not later than that because then mm-hmm. I really feel it in the evening. Um, but also alcohol can be disruptive for sleep. So if you're someone who enjoys a glass of wine with dinner, really, you know, uh, worth checking how you feel without it or maybe, you know, limiting it to just one glass or one drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, drinking enough water is very helpful. Um, interesting with foods, though, because I've heard that there are certain foods that are better like for promoting sleep because they contain certain minerals, uh, like bananas uh, that have oh, a lot of potassium. And potassium, the yeah. Yeah, and they are like natural muscle relaxants. So um, that's, that's an interesting topic to explore. Um, but in general, like our family eats very light at dinner. We'll have like usually a soup or a salad or maybe some like lighter, like an omelet or a quiche with a salad. So we don't like eat heavy. In, um, at, at mm-hmm. dinner, so we don't feel that our stomachs are heavy when we go to bed. So I kind of like that, and I personally really like to drink herbal tea before bed, and uh, especially at stressful times, I choose like mint or valerian root tea, and that helps me relax and fall asleep mm-hmm. easier. Do you have some sort of preferences or tips when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, you know, I don't know that I have any specific tips, but I do agree with what you're saying about um, certain foods affecting your sleep and also caffeine and alcohol. I don't um, try not to drink. I do love good coffee. Let's let's just make that clear. <laughs> um, but I I try not to drink if I'm having an afternoon coffee too late in the afternoon, but lately it has been because just my schedule has been thrown off and I did realize that that is affecting my sleep. So when I you know, it's easy to lose track of time right now. I feel <laughs> it's easy to not, not remember what day it is because oh. every day appears the same now. Um, yes. But yeah, it is uh, something to think about. So I try to um, do a half decaf coffee in the afternoon sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's not fully caffeinated. That helps. But I, I don't drink a lot of coffee each day, just one to two cups. But if, I, the, if the second one is in the afternoon, I'm very careful about the timing and how much caffeine is, that, is there. Um, I have heard that alcohol affects people. You know, you you would think that it would be the opposite, like makes you sleepy, but it's mm-hmm. true that it can make you kind of restless, I think is the yeah. thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, also, foods. That's an interesting one about foods. I, I didn't think about, you know, things like bananas and stuff for the potassium. I mean, now I'm going to think about that more. But um, I know that some people, when they eat certain foods, especially in the evenings, they actually have strange dreams. Have you heard of that? No. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Yes. And it's weird because I remember when I was growing up, my mother used to tell me that, you know, when she would eat tomato sauce, she would have these kind of like really crazy dreams. (laughs) So like pizza or spaghetti or something for whatever reason, 
she'd have these terrible dreams. And I always thought that it was just kind of funny. But now that you're saying that, I, I, I do think that it could be possible, you know, mm. to be affected by food in that way. So if anybody has experience with that, let us know because yes. this is fascinating, this topic. But yeah, I, we also in my family, we eat our bigger meal at lunch and we eat a lighter meal at dinner, which I know is not common in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, it just, we just feel better not to be really full in the evenings. Yeah. So if that's something that you, you want to try to test out, I feel like, you know, for anybody listening, that's something to think about. It's not a hard thing to do. You just have to kind of prepare a little bit beforehand or plan something in advance. If you're going to make your bigger meal for lunch, you might want to pre-make that so that it's ready to go and you don't have to do a lot of work in the middle of your work day. But yeah, I, I think that paying attention to the foods you eat and drink and how they affect your sleep is, is really, really important. And maybe, you know, while it's important to drink a lot of water during the day, maybe try to drink it towards the beginning or middle of day instead of at the end of the day so that you're yeah. not awake because you know, you've drank too much water at night. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. yeah. Right. So I think we're uh, ready for a recap. We talked about a lot of important steps towards uh, building better sleep habits. So first one was um, how to plan to get enough sleep, um, things you need to do and sort of decisions you have to make uh, in order to have better chance of succeeding in uh, establishing your better sleep uh, habits, um, a solid bedtime routine and how it may look like for you, um, morning routine um, as well, limiting the time you spend with screens and digital devices before bedtime, quality sleep over quantity, um, different aspects of sleep environment, also why healthy sleep habits are so important for translators and interpreters and the work we do, and um, how does nutrition affect our sleep habits. Yeah. And these are all really great tips. I am uh, actually going to start implementing the one of leaving a paper or notepad on my, my nightstand to mm -hmm. try to get those ideas down quickly because I'll just say, oh, I'll write it down later and I, I'll forget about it. Yeah. So. Well, we hope that this episode has given you some new ideas to implement some smarter sleep habits going forward. If you happen to give any of these tips a try, or if you have some smart habits to share on this particular topic, please let us know. Send us an email at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com or leave a comment on our website under the show notes for this episode. And now we'll uh, share a smart habit check-in. Veronica, are you working on any new or continued habits right now? And how's it going? Yeah, so I'm actually focusing on um, the habit of having a solid morning and bedtime routine right now. So it's, it's fits perfectly with today's topic. Um, you know, ever since um, this whole situation started and we started social distancing and now we have uh, the stay at home order here in, in Houston uh, area where I live. Um, it's been difficult adjusting to our new normal um, day to day at home. So um, I really had to change my morning and bedtime routine a lot. And I shared some of that um, in this episode. But uh, really, what I what I do each day is that I talk to my husband and kind of share, use him as my accountability buddy, because he's, he's got this habit down and I'm still working on it. And just tell him what I think I want to do as a workout um, the next morning. So he keeps me accountable. And, you know, I know I, I really have to try and make up on time and uh, do it with him and then um, maybe have some extra time to myself before the kids wake up and really focus on a good bedtime routine too. Um, you know, writing things down so that I don't um, 
constantly think about various things before I fall asleep, but I, you know, use some time for journaling, uh, maybe um, have a conversation with a friend or talk to my husband, read a book so that I really try and relax and not read the news before I go to bed. Cause that, that's not a good idea right now. What about you, Madalena? Yeah. Um, right now it's funny. I'm trying to keep all things as normal as possible, which has been really difficult. So mm -hmm. as far as habits go, I would say that one of the things I'm trying to continue to do every day is make sure that I exercise. And yeah. like I said, um, before, you know, one of the first things for me to go can be exercise when things get too busy or crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really prioritizing that right now. I'm trying to get outside every day and get, um, you know, at least an hour walk or a 30 minute run or something like that in. And I try to make sure that I do it outside because we are not able to go out as much right now. Yeah. And so um, at least here in, in California, you can still go outside and, and walk and, and, and run or whatever, as long as you just are not in groups of, you know, um, people, um, you're staying away from people, which is pretty simple right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've had a strange amount of rain here lately, which is unusual for us at this time of year. And for most of the year, it's actually very unusual. And so it's been hard to try to get in time outside when the pockets of rain stop. So, uh, but I'm, I'm trying my best to make that a priority right now because I feel like it's actually making me feel better about all that's going on right now. So that's, that's what I'm doing. So that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll be sending our email subscribers a checklist of all the tips and strategies we mentioned today to create smarter sleep habits. We're going to send it out next week. So if you'd like to receive it, please sign up for our emails on our website, smarthabitsfortranslators.com. And if you'd like to be notified when our episodes are released, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to it. So our next episode will feature another guest. So stay tuned and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and our newsletter to find out who it is. Talk to you then. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered a simple strategy that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover on this podcast, please record a quick voice message and email it to us at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, we'd love it if you would leave us a review and please share the podcast with other translators you know.